what's up, guys, and welcome along to another episode of Telecast PH, the Telework PH Business Process Outsourcing Podcast, a podcast dedicated to breaking through the cultural barriers and changing the way we look at outsourcing to the Philippines. I'm BizDev Jeff, your host. I'm the Business Development Manager for Telework PH. Thank you so much for joining. And as always, a special thank you to all who have been listening and following my content on LinkedIn and Instagram. And if you haven't yet and you want to find me on those platforms, all you got to do is search BizDev Jeff. Connect with me and I will show you how outsourcing some of the non-core aspects of your business, like customer support, back office operations, or even data annotation, can open up a whole new world, and in return, you'll be helping our mission to make an impact on poverty right here in the Philippines. Before I introduce our our guest today, I just want to say that over the past year, doing this podcast has been one of the major joys in my life. Now, I know that I say in the intro uh, that this podcast is dedicated to, to changing the way we look at outsourcing to the Philippines, and it is. However, the goal has always been more than just getting the word out about outsourcing and about what we do here at Telework PH. Uh, When I choose my guests, it's because I know they have something unique to share. Now, I have met some amazing people that have shared great advice and experiences. And and really, that's, that's what it's all about. And today's guest is no exception. This is a conversation I had with... Michael Ray, who's the founder of Smile Project Louisville. Now, if you're not connected to Michael on LinkedIn or seen any of his videos featuring his daughter, Maddie, who was born with Down syndrome, I highly, highly recommend that you do. They'll definitely make you smile. Michael not only committed himself to raising Maddie, but has endured what I consider to be every father or parent's nightmare, and that's the loss of a child. So Michael shares his story with me and that magical moment when he decided to found Smile Project and be the reason why somebody smiles today. Let's listen in. Hey, Michael. Thanks for being here on Telecast PH. How you doing? What's up, brother, man? I sincerely appreciate you having me today. It's Friday. I'm ready to get weird. I love life. I can't wait to have a conversation with you. Oh, I appreciate that. And I feel the same. I've been really, really excited about this since you agreed to be on the show. So um, do you want to just go ahead and jump in and start telling us about yourself? Yeah, man, I would love to. I, 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 I'm an open book. I'm transparent. I love to talk about all things that uh, kind of just share love and smiles. Would love to. One of the things I get asked the most is, is kind of how it started and evolved. And, you know, for me, it was the relationship that I had with my daughter, Maddie. Maddie has Down syndrome. But what makes her a little bit different than most kids with Down syndrome is that she's nonverbal. So I had never heard those three simple words that all parents want to hear from their kids, which is, I love you. But yet she always spoke to me by her smiles. And every time I wanted that affirmation of knowing that my daughter loved me, I would always see it through her smile or I would jokingly say, hey, do you love daddy? And it would be that smile. So whenever I needed my spirits uplifted, I could always turn and count on the love of my daughter, Maddie, which never knowing through the course of what everyone does through their daily lives, 
you know, as you navigate your routines. And on that day, a little over two years ago for me, as we all do, I rolled through a drive-thru. And to be specific, it was a Wendy's. I was trying to get some chili late one morning. And it was the interaction that I had with an absolute complete stranger. And as we do with so many people, like I said, in our lives, when we go through our routines, in that brief 30, 40 seconds, it just touched me. It moved me. It was like she smiled, we laughed, bang, grabbed my chili, and I was gone. But yet, I was profoundly moved from that interaction. And then it's like I had this epiphany in which, wow, I've been through so much in my life, and my daughter's smile changed me. <laughs> so what can I do then go to go inspire and impact lives from the interaction that I just had with Chantrell at a Wendy's drive-thru? That is, so that is it's amazing. Kind, it's kind of where the genesis of it came from, even though, you know, look, that was all well and good. <laughs> but then you got to figure out how it looks, what you're going to do to create that change and inspire people. That's, but that's where it started. That, that is an amazing story. And it really is, the, uh, you know, the, the beginning of that, that, you know, what I like to call the aha moment of, you know, like, like, like you said, the word you use, the epiphany. It just, it just came to you like, this, this is it, man. This is what I want to do. And being that it's been inspired by, by Maddie, how, how old is Maddie now? So Maddie, you know, when people, if, if you ever get an opportunity to look at Maddie, Maddie, you know, is tiny. Um, she looks 12 or 13, but she's actually a young woman. She's, she just turned 21 in April. So she is older than what she looks. Um, you know, but yet it, it, it's, um, it's amazing, you know, what they can do for you. Oh yeah. I, can, I mean, being a father myself, um, now, now my, my daughter is five years old and I, and I know I have seen a lot of your, uh, your videos and, you know, of course on LinkedIn. And I also, you know, watched some of the other interviews that you had done and, and you had addressed uh, the fact that, you know, you've never been able to hear those words. And, and that, that, that deeply touched me because I mean, it, it is something that I do cherish is, you know, when my daughter will run in and be like, you know, daddy, I love you. And that's, you know, the fact that, that Maddie can convey that to you through a smile is, is you know, is, is just amazing to me. Um, and to have that spark everything else um, that, that you've been doing moving forward. Um, you know, you had, you had lost a child before Maddie came along. Is that correct? Actually, it was after. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it was after. So, so Matt, Matt, yeah, being Maddie was 21. And the unique story around losing my child, so to give you an idea, Maddie would have been roughly seven years old. Um, I, I guess where I processed it differently around losing my son is I would ask somebody to kind of climb into my space in which we had three girls, you know, five years go by, you don't know if you want to have any more kids, and then you, you're going to have another kid, and then all of a sudden you find out that you're having twins and you're like, Oh, good God. We're going, you, know, you don't know if you want to have more kids, you know, instead of having four, now we're going to have five, but I can still to this day vividly remember then when I found out there were boys, I was insanely excited because, you know, again, you have three girls, you're going to add a boy, but then you're having twin boys. I was just literally climbing from the mountaintop singing to praise. And then, 
they were identical twin boys. And at three months old, um, Sam's brother, Charlie, um, you know, we lost him. Um, he, he had a rare condition called multi-cystic encephalopathy, and he had kind of like an aneurysm or a clot that burst in his brain and basically killed him instantly. Mm -hmm. And I think for a long period of time where I struggled with it was the fact that I had a constant reminder because he was a twin, an identical twin. So I always had this constant reminder of when I looked at Sam, I would see Charlie. Right. You know, I mean, so you have to pro you have to kind of process that too. You know, again, I'm not taking it away from anybody who ever loses a child. It's one of the hardest things that 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 is a parent you have to go through. But again, I had to process that I always had and again, look, I I was able to finally turn it into a positive and and having this amazing blessing of a constant reminder of rather than for a long period of time, it wasn't. It was what I was doing without until I actually figured out, no, God gave me a blessing. So, you yeah, know, that, that, happened, that happened back in, you know, 2006. And, um, you know, it's kind of as in anything you go through life when you have these traumatic moments. Uh, you know, I can give you almost a play-by-play, -play, you know, of other things in, in that year you couldn't. But I could literally give you a play-by-play -play of the entire day you know, almost minute by minute or hour by hour of everything that transpired that day that's been impressed upon my mind and heart from, from living that experience. And I'm certain you, you relive that still, even, even as you've moved past it and, and accepted it, it's still present. I, you, you know, yes. I, I mean, obviously, you know, most certainly, um, you know, I don't have anywhere near the grief um, I do look at it a lot of times more so now that it is a blessing, but it's strange. Uh, you know, I think about him almost every day. Um, you know, I, you know, look, it's life. There was sometimes I go a day or two without, yeah, I probably do. But yet I do find myself where maybe I haven't cried over him for a few months and then it can be anything. You know, I, hell I could be in the car and a certain song come on and just a, a certain couple of lyrics hit me a specific way and then I just lose my shit mm -hmm. you know or I could be in a space where I haven't seen twins in months and I see a couple identical twins and I'm like oh dear god and I just lose it you know so I don't grieve as much as I used to I try to again think of the positive side and I, I do think of him more as an angel and you know, the opportunity to speak to him in heaven and things. So I do kind of process it differently, but most certainly I do have my moments still even 14 years later where I break down and cry like he just died hours ago. How has that uh, affected his brother? I mean, does he recall you know, it, anything? It's funny because we, we occasionally talk about it. Um, we don't talk about it often. And I actually had a conversation recently and I guess some of it is, you know, his twin brother, Sam, is now 13. He's getting ready to turn 14. And there are a couple of benchmark moments, too. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, really the two days that are probably the hardest for me on a calendar year is Sam's birthday because, you know, it's, it's the birth of those two boys. And that's coming up in weeks. That's July 1st. 
and then it's the anniversary of his death. But I, I did recently, you know, actually just a few weeks ago, had a conversation with Sam, and it was just, and I guess a lot of it, he's now maturing, he's getting ready to go into high school, to where you can have a little bit more bigger, you know, he's not necessarily an adult, but he processes things differently at 13 than when you're asking him at eight years old. Right, right. So, but it, but it, it, a lot of times, it's just the simplicity of, do you think of your brother? You know, and, and the answer is yes. You know, and, and a lot of times, you know, t twins often talk about this. You know, when when you talk about them, sometimes they, they have a, a different sense of, of the other. And they feel things sometimes that the other one may feel that we normally as siblings don't feel. And I, I don't know if it's because they, they share the same real estate for nine months, <laughs> right. you know, and they kind of were formed together. Uh, you know, that, that maybe that gives them that commonality and that bond that, you know, normal siblings don't have. But I, I do think, you know, again, as he's aging, it will become more prominent in his life. But it's probably hard for him to process, too. And, you know, look, a lot of it, too, he was three months old. Right. Um, but we did a unique thing on the tombstone in that, you know, at the time of his death, we actually took sam's hand and we took the imprint of his hand and put it on there saying hey this was his twin brother sam so his actual handprint you know is on the tombstone so um it, it's it's always amazing and, and you know what dude I, I i don't know how often i go i probably go visit charlie's grave maybe four to six times a year at various times i usually always go on his birthday always on the anniversary of his death but literally I went for the first time in probably two months, just two days ago. And it was because I was having a shitty night and I wanted to climb away for a minute. And it was a gorgeous night out. It was like 7.30 at night. And I literally went and laid down on this tombstone for an hour and a half and just chilled. And I guess the reality of that is that what I try to tell people is, you know, look, I am absolutely insanely positive, you know, 99% of the time. But it doesn't mean that I don't have those moments too whereas life gets to you, but yet it's how you process, how you deal with it mm -hmm. to be able to get as quickly as you can out of that space. And I found myself within an hour and a half, was a totally different person. And I was, I was ready to get back at it. What, what you just said there is gold. And I think that a lot of people will get a lot of value out of that because being that you can, you can come on a, onto a podcast like this or onto, onto your television um, interviews and bear your soul like that to let everybody know, you know, that, you know, it's okay to feel this way and it's okay to feel this way 13 years later. Um, you know what I mean? And, and I think that that's a, where a lot of people um, get caught up as they carry around that grief and they begin to feel guilty about carrying around the grief, but then they also feel guilty about letting go of the grief. Um, Brother, you are so right. And what I really tried, you know, I have so many messages at time to give people and what I've truly become to understand as it relates to the human body and the mind is that our minds are so insanely powerful. And if you can figure out a way to control it and what you feed it, it it's amazing what you can overcome in life. And as, as I have heard the stories from others um, and try to bring them along, you know, through their journey you know, again, you know, look, I'm a damn human being. 
I have problems, challenges, and, and I have moments. But the beauty, I think, of where I'm at in my life in, 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 the, in the last, hell, I don't know, maybe six, seven years is that I do choose to process things differently. I don't allow those things to control me because I do control my mind. And I find such love and positivity in life. And I don't worry about things, you know, like I used to. And that's where we can then find, you know, the dark places in life to where we make different choices, you know. And, and a lot of times when I talk about smiling and positivity, you know, I, I, I just try to make it fun. And look, we're not curing cancer. We're not building rockets. It's all those cliches. It's, it's, it's the ability for the common human being to do any of this if you want to. That makes perfect sense because it does, it does, it takes making a decision. You have to, you have to, I mean, that for me, that's always been the first step. Um, as my listeners know, you know, I'm, uh, you know, and I told you before the show, you know, I'm an alcoholic um, and I'm almost 10 years sober and it, it never, it would have never happened had I not made the decision. You got to make the decision to change, to, to do what it takes to change the mindset to, you know, just to just do whatever, basically, you have to make the decision and, and make that decision all the time. Dude, let, let me echo that. And I often say, you know, we all have sometimes these different vices we can choose. And if you would rewind about six, seven years ago, like I said a second ago, what my vice was, and I laugh about it now, was sugar. That's where I found my escape. And again, we are a product of the choices we make. And so for me, I found myself after consuming so much sugar over two or three years, I laugh about it now going, hell, if I keep this pattern up, you know, look, I'm, at the time I was 245 pounds, I'm going to wake up in five years and maybe have diabetes and, and all of the other issues. So I made a conscious choice going, I got to stop. No, it won't be easy, whether it's sugar, alcohol, drugs. Any other vice in life, again, I'm not going to diminish it because we can become a product of that choice. And it was. It was brutally hell for probably 30 to 45 days. But then as I got past that, you know, it became much easier. So as with you, you get it too. You know, as an alcoholic, it's a shitty hard road. But yet when you make those decisions to overcome those vices, regardless of what the vehicle is, Again, I won't diminish, hell, they say sugar is just like cocaine. It probably was for me because it created the dopamine in my mind to deal with life. And then I'm like, man, you're just dumb. You don't need sugar. You need to, again, fill your mind and your life with other things. And that's the conscious choices that I started to make to really create the change in my life to make a difference. Love it. Now, getting back to Maddie, um, when did you when did you find out that she um, had Down syndrome? Was it before her birth or actually after? On the table, man, when she came out. And you know, it's it's it's. I talk about this now a little bit in that when you you know rewinding twenty one years ago, it was a lot to process. And I was in the OR when my ex wife gave birth. Um, it's, it's a period of grieving, and I can vividly remember needing a moment where after that I then went back to, you know, my, my ex-wife's private room, and I can still to this day remember looking out that window onto the city street bawling, crying, 
because my life at that point had totally changed, mm -hmm. you know, and you're trying to process all of it. And I can still to this day remember the first phone call I made and who it was. And it wasn't even a family member to help process. Um, you know, because, and I think a lot back then at that point, it was the fear of the unknown, you know, more than anything. And as we talked to other parents after that to try to, you know, become more accepting of it, it was just getting an understanding of what we were going to have to deal with and what life would be like. And my ex-wife got over it within days. And I can still again remember that it, it, it took me almost a month to be able to come to terms of of accepting it and, and, and not just accepting it, but going, okay, we're, we're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, life's going to, going to be fine, you know? Right. Because I mean, at that, at that moment, you realize that, I mean, this is a lifelong commitment. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, I, I think about my children um, and eventually someday they're going to grow up and be out on their own, hopefully. Um, you know, in here with, with Maddie, you know, that's, that's not possible. So that, that was a commitment you had to make like within seconds, really. It, 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 it is what it is at that point. You're right. And, and, you know, I will tell you for anybody who listen, who's a parent that gets pregnant again, you know, the statistics are one in 700 to have a child with down syndrome, but really? it's one in 100 after you've already had a child with Down syndrome. So I can vividly remember when, you know, again, my ex-wife got pregnant with our third child, you know, again, one in 100 still look, that's only 1%. But when you go from one in one, you know, one in 700 to one in 100, you're going, Oh my gosh, you know, how can we, how can we handle two, you know, and just, you know, you, you, your, um, your doctor's visits are different. Um, you know, the t they do a little bit more invasive testing and things. And when they do the ultrasounds and things to, to kind of roll things out. But, um, you know, again, and, and our third child was perfectly fine. Um, but yet, again, that pregnancy takes on a whole new meaning because, again, you are processing that there is the possibility. It is, even though it's one in 100, there is that likelihood it, it could happen you know, because you've already been kind of predisposed where you've had one. Would you mind uh, retelling the story that you told in one of your videos? Um, I believe it was three weeks ago uh, about Maddie dancing. Where you say every, everybody, everybody there was shy and, and didn't, and didn't want to get out on the floor, but there was Maddie. No. And you know, I will, man. And so we happened to be, um, it was earlier this year. Um, you know, before the pandemic where, where the free world could still get out. And there was this really cool place in Louisville, not far from our house, that is, is kind of like a restaurant slash bar. And there's this really cool mid-level country music singer. And what I often tell about Maddie is that even though she's got a mental and emotional, you know, or intellectual disability, she processes things differently. And it's, I actually look at it as a blessing and a gift. And that is, you know, look, put your mind in that setting when you, you know, you've got a band and this is a country music singer and you've got two, 300 people in the place and there's a dance floor and the dance floor is empty. And a lot of times 
most people don't want to be the first person. Right. <laughs> you don't want to be the first person up there where the whole world inside that setting is watching you dance. Well, the beautiful thing about the gift of Maddie is that she doesn't live with fear and anxiety about what others think. She lives within happy. So what makes her happy when she's around music is she wants to dance. She's not worried that she's going to be the first person on the dance floor dancing because she doesn't give a rat's ass what people <laughs> think. And that's the beauty of how we should live. You live with what makes you happy. So literally for about 10 minutes, she's up on stage, the only one dancing. And you know what, dude? It then turned where the entire you know, bar was like laughing and smiling and in love with the fact that she's up there kind of on the stage and the dude up on the, you know, stage scene had a whole new energy because he's like, look at this little girl up here, just enjoying life, not worrying about what others are thinking. Uh, and that's what I that. try to tell people is that, you know, because she has this gift, not only of really not processing, you know, having any fear or anxiety, she also, you know, finds such joy and happiness in the simplicity of life. And we find ourselves so many times, you know, and look, brother, I was guilty of it. You know, you rewind 12, 15 years ago when I was making a shit ton of money, I was chasing God, the house, the car, the money, and all of it. But you know what? That didn't define happiness for me. And now that I have so much less, I have found so much more happiness in my life because it's not complicated with the stress and, and the challenge and struggle of trying to get it. And even though, you know, back then it meant a brand new Ford Expedition, that wasn't happiness. Just being with my family and the simple things. And that's the beauty I try to tell people and the gift that Maddie has is that, yes, she may not be able to verbally communicate with me, but by God, that girl is always happy. I love that. What you said, she lives within happy. I mean, that, that's, that's just a powerful statement. That sums up everything right there for me. So I want to, I want to hear about smile. I want to hear everything about it. What do you do? Um, you know, when you wake up in the morning, what, what goes on with, with, with smile? So I, you know, I have a presence on multiple social media platforms. So truly for me, it's about delivering content that inspires and impacts lives to create change within their space. That it might be a moment in which even if they don't create change, they can find a place in which in their life they're happy and they can smile. And then we kind of take it a step further in which, you know, we do multiple um, random acts of kindness. I'm all about being the reason why people smile. And within my community in Louisville, Kentucky, people nominate people that need to smile for some reason. Um, you know, I often say we smile because life is hard, not as easy, you know, not easy. So we go do random acts of kindness um, for people within the community to create that level of positivity um, 
smiles, kindness, love, you know, where they can feel the beautiful energy in the moment, <laughs> you know. So truly a lot of my time is wrapped up within that. And then I do, I do probably a dozen to 15 of these a week to where I'm just trying to impress upon people, you know, create the change you want to see in your life by making those choices in that, you know, <laughs> I have a couple of taglines and the one that, you know, I'm absolutely in love with is that you can be so happy that when others see you, they become happy too. I would challenge you to go find this, go look it up on YouTube. And, and that is, you know, happiness is a smile. Look that up because when I talk about the ability to make other people happy just by you being happy, Coke did a commercial and they did it with a guy who was on a subway train and he had earbuds in and he was watching something on his phone, but he started laughing and he started laughing uncontrollably and no one on the train on this busy train knew what he was watching. But the level of how contagious it was, they found themselves not being able to control their emotions. And not only they were smiling, but they were laughing at this dude, yet they, he could have been watching nothing. Right. But again, it just goes back to what I've always seen, thought, and felt. And that is, you can be so happy. So as you go through the course, and for me, where it started was a Wendy's drive through and Chantrell was so happy, it touched my heart, is that you can do that no matter where you go, it is that contagious. People will catch it if you choose to do it. I, I forget who it was. I think it might have been uh, Wayne Dyer said, and I heard this quote, and, and I don't know if it's him, so don't quote me on that, but he said the biggest gift you can give somebody is, is when they go away from spending time with you or an encounter with you, they feel good. You know, let me, t let me tell you the one singular quote that has resonated with me on my journey since I have done this the last two plus years. And it was by, it was by the late great Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. And she had countless amazing things that that woman said. But the thing that has resonated the most with me that I feel in every life that I touch is she said, people will forget what you said. They will forget what you did, but they will not forget how you made them feel. That's amazing. They won't forget how you made them feel. And it's funny is because I have been asked now numerous times, well, what did Chantrell at the drive through window tell you or, or say to you? I have no idea, but I know how she made me feel. You know, it wasn't necessarily the words because I've done forgot them. I know how she made me feel. That's just, I mean, that, that is just, that just blows me away. <laughs> Complete, completely blows me away. And I, and I know that a lot of people are, are, are going to get a lot of value out of this. So do you, you, you do speaking engagements, right? You know, I've done a handful and, and honestly, it was trending that direction before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. and, and there were opportunities that, that we're starting to create themselves. And yes, I've spoken to some teachers. I've spoken to a chamber of commerce. I've done some things virtually. And 
that space was opening itself up before the free the free world kind of went on a lockdown. So I I do think that's the direction that that I'm heading. Um, I'm also in the process of you know trying to put together. You know, look, I, I, I hate to use titles. I don't know if it's a tour, a roadshow, you know, something to where the things that I've done within my community that people have seen to do that on a bigger scale in bigger markets as I've built relationships with people all over the country. So that's in the works and, and it looks like that's going to happen sometime mid, late summer, like late July, early August. So if somebody wanted to, you know, to talk to you about that, about maybe even doing, uh, you know, a speaking engagement virtually or, or just, you know, to, to find out more about Smile and how they can get that set up and working in their own community, um, how, what's the best way of getting a hold of you? So, so look, man, I'm all about putting it out there, just like one of my mentors, Gary V, is. And here's my phone number first, 502-777-6479. I love saying 777. So that's 502-777-6479. They can email me at, it's so simple, Smile Project Louisville at gmail.com against my project Louisville at gmail.com. I'm on, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, connect with me there, you know, again, and I did that recently on LinkedIn. I put my phone number out there for anybody and everybody to text call, you know, I, I, it's, it's, I just want to be connected with people to inspire them to create change in their life. So, whether it's a text, a FaceTime, a phone call, an email, a DM in, in one of the platforms. I like to think that I'm the guy that if you go to a comedy show and you listen to me for an hour and you really laugh, I'm the dude that wants to sit around for three hours and have drinks with you and shoot the shit. So I want to be fully engaged with everybody. Another site they can go to too is my website, smileprojectglobal.com. You know, I can be reached there. The neat thing about that is all the work that I've done gets uploaded real time, you know, into that page. So if we've done some things or videos or whatever content does get uploaded into there for people to see. Awesome. That's perfect. So yeah, I'll put all of those links down in the description so everybody will be able to click and find them easily and get a hold of you. Michael, Michael Ray. Thank you so much for being here. This has been energetic. You, you've helped me out a lot. And I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm smiling. I, I'm smiling and I'm, I'm feeling positive. So I, I, like I said, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Well, brother, let me tell you this, man. I always look at these things as a two-way street and it starts with you. So I have been blessed that you reached out and wanted to spend time with me. So for that, I thank you. Right, so that will wrap it up for this installment of Telecast PH. I've been BizDev Jeff, your host. Thank you so much for listening, and a special thank you to Michael Ray for taking the time to talk to us today. Now, if you like this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. And if you're on the YouTube channel, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you'll be notified when I upload new content. And I'm always looking for great feedback, so comments are welcome. And of course, if you want to find out more about Telework PH, what we do and how we can help your business scale up quicker, all you got to do is hop on over to www.teleworkph.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. Just search BizDevJeffThompson 
or the hashtag BizDevJeff. Now, normally I close with uh, my favorite quote by Dr. Wayne Dyer, but today I'm going to close with a quote from Michael Ray. Be the reason someone smiles today. Take care, everyone. Be safe. This is BizDevJeff signing off.